Okay, welcome to episode 94 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review podcast. Um, we've had to start again because we had a slight domestic incident. It seems better now. Uh, <laughs> you and I have not had a not domestic us. incident. Not us. No, no, we're okay. We haven't had our domestic incident yet. The, uh, so, as you can hear, back with us is uh, my regular co-host, an all-round man-shot herder, French penguin. Yes, it's that musketeer, Mr. Alan Henderson. How are you doing, Al? Suffering from severe déjà vu at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I said the same thing there. I tried to make it a bit different. Don't give it away. The uh, (laughs) um, I'm all good. How are you? Oh, I'm very (laughs) well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, sorry, kind of you. The uh, we had a brief. Let's uh, fast forward through. We had a brief conversation where you you were you went in Forbidden Planet Planet Edinburgh and you got some comics from the comic shop in Croydon. Dana. Yes. Yes. Good. That's a summary. Yeah. Yeah. So, what what have you still got a pull list? Have you, or do you nope. just like tend to go eBay and just get what you want, or I just go to eBay and get what I want, and um, and, and that's it. So I keep a very close eye each week on the um, comic list website that, that produces, so that I'm basically you know what's coming, yeah. Oh, and but I'm not ordering that week; I'm ordering two weeks in advance because the way that and that oh, way good. I make sure I try not to miss anything. Because if you, you just order on the week that things come out, if something's a hot book. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Especially if it's in the middle of a run. Like we had with that, was it Detective Comics or Batman issue that was uh, the, was it Punchline or whatever her name was? Yeah, yeah, there was a Nightwing one. I actually That's ended up missing. Right. Yeah. I mean, bother, bother me getting a second print. It's more just the, yeah. oh, I must remember to order up when the second printing comes out. Yeah, I did um, the same with, um, what's the Thor spin-off? Uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, who's a replacement for? You're asking the wrong person. Oh, am aren't I? Oh, it'll come to me later. Yeah, I did the same and I ended up getting the second print. And I don't care anymore. It doesn't bother me. There's no way I'm ever going to... I don't sell my comics, Al. No. I think I gave one away once. Um, there was a chat on the Slack, wasn't there? I think Mr. Russell started it about giving away his comics and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I'm terrible for that. <laughs> I mean, there will come a point when there will be certain things I can I can foresee slimming down and, and, and stuff. I do know that at some point in time, I've got a full comic box sitting there of Impact Comics. It's the complete <laughs> run of all <laughs> yeah. of the Impact Comics. Yeah. And the my thing there is, I, yeah. I want, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the, the Fly was a really, really good book. What bad was uh, it? Yeah. What is it the, what is it the, was it the Comet? What was the sort of Nova-esque the, character? There was, yeah. So the Fly, Comet, Vixen, that's The it. Web. Um, what was the Captain America one? Oh, Something was it the shield? shield. Yeah. Was yeah. it just the shield? So they were the Red um, Circle then, characters, weren't they? That's yeah, right. yeah. The Crusaders when they all got together yeah. as the, as the, the uh, and it was an okay like the Jaguar. That was the That's other one, right. Yeah. Um and when they all got to you know, the, as a set of books it actually was, was quite good. Um just really badly handled as you know. It almost and, felt and, a bit younger than some other comics. Almost like slightly Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of that one it sort of Yeah. And they've they've made attempts to reboot them a few times, haven't they? They they have. It's, they're one of these sets of characters that just seems to get handed around in terms of the copyrights. So, yeah, yeah. The but, um. Anyway, maybe one day we'll do yeah, that. That's, maybe that's, one day we'll be story. impact, well, impact yeah. comics. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. So what have you chosen? We hinted at it heavily, hinted at it last time. You're on. What have you chosen for us to talk about today? So in in previous gatherings like this we've always discussed a particular book and, and focus on that but rather than go down that route i thought we would discuss the work of a creator yep. uh, and on this occasion i have chosen roger langridge the yes. small priest creator who's done good uh, in terms of how i think of him good stuff man now we have in our heads well i think i have as well we've sort of sectioned him out into licensed work which he's done a lot of and i'm sure we'll talk about big two and per, more personal stuff, not necessarily mm. autobio, but stuff that means a bit more to him. And we'll probably talk about little bits of that. But how did you come about finding him first? So my very first exposure to him would be either in the year two thousand or two thousand and one at Bristol at okay. the, the comic convention, as is as is always the one in these cases, where he already had a body of work at that point but he's one of these people that was very focused on producing proper mini comics okay um, the, the very very small tiny black and whites and you could see that what he was doing was producing those comics at some point they were getting collected um and if you look at things like some of the zoot 
um, books, which we'll, we'll go into, no doubt. Yeah. You know, they, they are obviously collections of other things. And then those books were getting collected up into to more bigger sort of trades and, and the like. And at the time, he was one of these people that was producing sketches at the con that were okay. really smart. And he had a great big folder of artwork that was very reasonably priced and, again, very nice to look at. Yeah, I remember that. That um, was a lot of the Fred the Clown stuff, was it, as I recall? A lot of the Fred the Clown stuff and uh, you know, pages from the Zoot period as well. Yeah. Um, the... I know that our, our good friend um, Bob Turner has a couple of pages from Bobzilla, um, which is one of the mini comics that he did, um, and you know, and Frankenstein meets Shirley Temple. Those sorts of sorts right. of books are all, all were all kicking around at that point. So that was how I first came exposed to him, and you realise that you know he was just a really nice guy to yeah. talk to, um, and the more of that small stuff that I read, and you kind of went, this is the surreal comics that small press can produce um you kind of went, I, I want to get more into his stuff um and and i was actually somebody bought me a commission from him for for a birthday um which is one of the, the very first sets of commissions that i got um, oh wow okay where it's uh, only the dentist knows the the state of the shadow's teeth um <laughs> yeah that sounds typically him yeah yeah doesn't it exactly yeah, that, you know yeah. it's that sort of weird weird twist that you'd put on things and it, so certainly that was my exposure to him and then there be building on that it was being very conscious that he was always and ever present at the con scene in the uk yeah and seemed to produce something new about once a year that was worth picking up in, in terms of just just being there whether that is you know the, him being paid by others to do so um or or in his own work yeah i agree man and he's he's a hard guy to pin down he's a hard guy to say oh, he does this sort of stuff because you could be you could say well he does this sort of stuff but then again you know which was his zoo and uh, yeah. knuckles and malevolent none and this sort of thing you could say well there's that but then again you could also say well look at all this ip work he's done yeah. Um, so, the the way that I would, I I really hate other people doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway because you know it's X crossed with Y. Yeah. He is Robert Crumb mixed with Leo Baxendale. Yes. By way of Tex Avery, with a hint of Dave Sim, mashed together with Spike Milligan. That's not bad. So I've got my version. Um, which I didn't. Pre- we didn't prepare this in advance. It's just interesting. I've literally got it in front of me. <laughs> is he's a little, a little bit of Ken Reed. There's a yeah. little bit of Ramona Fraden. There's a little yeah. bit of Joe Staten, and there's a dash yeah. of Bruce Tim. So we're not far off. You know, that's yeah. I would put us both. Our, that's a, each each works there. I think for me, I like the Spike Milligan though. Good shout. Yeah, there's definitely some Spike Milligan. Now a lot of his, a lot of his stuff is that surrealism element, or yeah. you know. It, or it's just that, how do we end this piece? Don't know, it's ended. Let's move on. Yeah, thing. yeah. I think normally we wait to go into the history of the creator, but I think the history, let's do the origin, uh, and then that will lead out into us talking about to his other books. So um, Roger yeah. Langridge, born the 14th of February 1967. He grew up in Auckland in New Zealand. Um, was drawing from a very early age. i tell you where there's a great interview with, um, which he, he talks about his origins in a few interviews, but there's a really good one for those small press fans in the UK and beyond, you may have got the Scrawl magazine, which is the Scrawl Lords, which is a little group of cartoonists and comic creators who are buddies of ours. And they created this really lovely magazine full of comics. But Nick Prolix is an old, we're both friends with and is a yeah. collaborator, an ex-collaborator of mine, or, you know, hopefully one day another collabor- collaboration will happen. But he does a brilliant interview with, with um, Roger where he goes to his house and they talk through the origins. And as part of that, he talks through his origin in New Zealand. And a lot of his early comics were done with his brother, I think it's called Andrew off the yep. top of my head. And they did um they did stuff that actually found its way into Fantagraphics, didn't they? Didn't it? I think um they both worked so, in some of the zoo and um stuff like that there, didn't they, I think? Yeah. So that's where, where Knuckles and um and as you say, Zoot and Art Deco. Yeah, oh, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. He describes the comics as um he says they were just basically in jokes between him and his brother. Um and they used to sell these at like sort of local shops. Um, he went to university and got an English degree, um, and he credits um, comics as the way he actually learned to write and re- uh, to create comics and um, to, to write and read. Sorry, and he met a guy called Cornelius Stone, who's a New Zealand zine maker, zine maker, I never know how you say it, um, who did something called Razor Magazine, and he met 
Cornelius at a place called Mark One Comics in Auckland. And I think Dylan Horrocks was a regular there too. I'm also a fan of Dylan's work, actually. I do like his stuff. Right. And so Rod- I, I always imagined that Cornelius Stone was a made-up name. Yes, <laughs> like, I did too. Because yeah. I was like, this is one of the ones where he's like going, I'm going to say there's a writer who's a made-up writer. But okay, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you might be right, you know, because I did think, that's a fucking cool name, isn't it? Cornelius Stone. Sounds like a BBC detective. Uh, yeah. Uh, as a kid, he was a fan of Disney comics. Um, he cl- he class- classifies it as, you know, he had to go on long car journeys and comics were thrown in the back of the car, m- much like you and I. Um, yep. He was a fan of British humour weeklies like Shiver and Shake and Whoopi. Um, it, before being a cartoonist, he wanted to be a mad inventor. And he says that certainly that that need has is, is, um, influenced the way he creates comics. Um, early characters, like you say, were Art Deco and The Gump. Um and he's described that we're going to go through a number of different um, quotes from him. But one of the ones that made me laugh was, I make a mess on the page and I correct it later. I thought, that's great. I like that. Um, so, yeah, which, I th- which is weird because I don't think of him as a messy. I artist. don't either. I think his line's actually quite strong and clean in a way, you know, it's a very precise drawing yeah. style that he has. Yeah, um, with a lot of very very fine liners. Yeah. yeah, I think I discovered him without knowing, mate. I think, um, I think I probably saw him at um, Bristol, like you. We were both going to that convention, um, and I probably looked through his Fred the Clown book. I didn't buy any art from him, but then again, I did start reading a lot of his licensed books. So mm. um, I remember there being a big buzz around Thor: The Mighty Avenger when it came out. And I picked it up because I think it's issue four has got a Captain Britain um, issue. He meets up with Captain Britain. They get drunk and get in a pub fight together. Yep. And it was because it was Chris Samini's, not his first work, but certainly his big one of the ones that was big, made a big splash of his work and sort of took him to, to bigger things. It was a short-lived, didn't, he describes it as not selling brilliantly, but sell, sold okay. It was designed to come out at the same time as Thor 2, the movie. Um, but there was a sort of a, a, a range of Thor books out at the time, and it got a bit, a bit lost in it, critically, very, very well thought of. And it was kind of like, kind of like the Ultimates, really. It was like a, just a restart, and you could read it without having to know any of the background, and Thor was this younger character. You haven't, have you, you haven't read that, have you? So that, that I haven't read, no. So, right. and I, I know you're not a Marvel guy, the, so, yeah. The Fing Fang 4 they did. Right. But... On, on the DC side, he also did a couple of episodes uh, or a couple of issues of um, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight. Yes, which is very so good. So he's in that. Yeah. He is in the Bizarro hardcover that um, was all the Bizarro World short ah, stories. I've got that behind that me, actually. I must look that out, yeah. And and one of the things I keep referring to is, is the Paradox Big Books, where uh, yeah. He's, in, yeah, yeah. he's in six of them. So right. he, yeah, and again, I think that those are the sorts of things that really suit him because obviously he does an awful lot of short stories. Therefore, you know, being in, in the big books really, really fits that that mix. Yeah. Um, he also has a big, you know, he has a, a strong association with the magazine as well. And he does. Which is yeah. quite a lot back through through that. And again, something I've never read, but he is hugely important to the, the Doctor Who fan yeah. base because he's been in um, DWM for, for a long period of time and, and produced a lot of work for them. Yeah, and there's a lot... That, um, if you um, if you want to sample that, if you just go, if you just look him up on YouTube, there's a couple of... You know, Doctor Who fans are quite rabid. They put everything that ever happens in Doctor Who in, in a YouTube video, don't they? And um, mm. there's a couple there you can view a story, and there's some quite fun ones, especially around... Is it the Eighth Doctor? What was the TV movie? Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor. Yeah. I'm going to say there's one where he runs through an, a 1979 BBC studio and gets chased by the lot from Grange Hill, and <laughs> all this. And it's a great, a great story, really good, um, and just so on point with his style. I think it works really well, and and I think he describes the Doctor Who stuff as just being something he enjoys, but like a regular paycheck. So it's not much, but it comes in and. He knows he's got yeah. that, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, and if you go onto to his website, which we'll probably mention this several times, which is yeah. hotelfred.blogspot.com, yeah. there's a Doctor Who link in there that basically has a lot of the, the tip and images that he's used for the, the magazine. Oh, they look lovely, so don't they? So people can see all, all the different doctors and all the different takes that he's done. And they're all coloured, um, aren't they? Because I think yeah. in, the, in the monthly it's black and white, but I think they're coloured. They look brilliantly. Really good. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. well... He let's talk. Should we start? Let's start. Bear in mind, we've started there, and I know we 
we want to talk about is more personal work. But let's just mention the licensed work. I made a little yeah. list. Now, tell me if I missed anything out here. So this is licensed work that he's worked on. Um, Muppets, Rocketeer, Popeye, Mandrake the Magician, Betty Boop. Um, she's not doing the do. Uh, the Goon, Bill and Ted, and Doctor Who. Um, yeah. And I know uh, that the two, the magazine strip did stray into being a parody of Star Trek, but I'm not classing that because it was sort of parody. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that seems like a fairly, a fairly big, or a fairly good collection in terms of the pieces there. And it, it's, to be fair to all of those as well, because one of the things I think a lot of people, when they start doing licensed work like that, is they, they become very much the, the branding and, and lose their own style. Yeah. But, he has not lost his style at all from that. And I think one of those that's really interesting for that is particularly the Muppets work. Yeah. Where you could say, well, you know exactly what the Muppets look like. How do you create a twist and turn with regard to having your own style on it? But he really has. He makes it and his own, doesn't he, I think? He really makes yeah. it his own. And it helps as well that that anarchic humour piece, there's things in there you can do with the Muppets. That, <laughs> yeah. Because of you. Um, it's one of the pieces that I actually have from him is from from the Muppets, which is a, a page from um, Doctor Bunsen and Beaker, where Bunsen keeps sending <laughs> Beaker back in time to basically three three panels earlier. But every time he does it, he, he kind of blows up. So by the end of it, Bunsen looks exactly the same, but Beaker's getting more and more frazzled. And there's just this, this you know one page of or I think it's a twelve panel page where you know and it, it's um, it, it, again it's that anarchic humour of going how do you create that sort of imagery of just you know being silliness which is what you want with the muppets but retaining the character traits and still going yeah that that fits so no it, it was great with that yeah and similarly with the popeye stuff where yeah i think he says it, i seen him on a couple of panels just to interject there i've seen him on he did a um a new zealand card or a new zealand australian cartoonist panel i'm not sure where it was it may have been t camp or somewhere and he says he actually says that's what i'm best known for is the muppets um mm. Maybe for me as well, because I know it's the first thing that came to mind when you said, let's read it. Um, yeah. I think he probably is known for that. But he does it, like you say, man, he does it so well. They're almost like characters that could have come out of Zoot magazine to me in a way, some of them. Yeah. 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 Sorry, you were talking about the Popeye thing, which he was keen to do, wasn't he, I think? Yeah. So obviously, he had, because that relates really back to his childhood, he knew the, you know, it's that whole... <laughs> Children of the seventies knew the Popeye cartoon really, yeah. really well. Therefore, you want to be, you know, dealing with the the characters that are, are part of your youth, um, and so that was something that he was you know, really enjoyed getting into. And it's a character he's kind of revisited in other places, but tweaked further. Um, yeah. One of the other books I read for this was uh, Crimini, which is a book that came out from from Dark Horse, which again okay. is, is just him working with Ryan Ferrier. Okay. Um, yeah. Where the characters in that are basically twists and turns of all these other big characters. So the main characters look like the Animaniacs, but they're not the Animaniacs. But there's a scene in, in that where he does end up on an island with an old sailor who, you, for all intents and purposes, you're going to go, that's Popeye, but it's not. Yeah, you know, okay. and he, He's able to... But when he's dealing with the licensed work, he's able to flip it the other way to go, this is Popeye. <laughs> But, yeah. and it's mine you know so it's, it's yeah. a weird it's a wonderful line to be balanced with and he um, liked he liked um, that for a number of reasons i heard an interview with him where he was saying he liked it because of the the um, newspaper strip origins of it and i think that's something you can see in his work as well you mm. know you could he'd be well suited to a three or four panel strip you know in the day you know in a daily newspaper almost wouldn't he you know um yeah. a, a comedy thing he also they, they also had an interesting conversation where popeye's kind of a bit forgotten these days isn't he um yep. and it's because we don't see the cartoons there's no movie so far apart from the one that we saw when we were kids and there's no newspaper strips with him in but they just they made an interesting point here in this interview um the cosmic cube or something it's called the interview and um he said it's he says popeye's strange because he's one of the characters who is so popular in cartoons but is is an utterly ugly character you know who just looks like this horrible old man who smokes a pipe who beats the shit out of people all the time um, and it's not even like he's going after the beautiful girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, is it a character that works in the current age of trying to be balanced and 
look, they've remade everything else. Why would they not remake Pop? It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah. It, it would fit. It's clearly somebody holds the rights somewhere that would allow them to do it. And for anyone who's ever Same. been to Malta on holiday, it's one of their few claims, isn't it? Oh, go and see the set of Popeye. And I'm like, God, I forgot that movie happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, couple of other ones. So Mandrake Magician he did, um, which is when um, Dynamite yeah. Head King features. I'm not sure if... Did you read any of that stuff, man? Yes, yeah, so I read... That That was one of the ones I read. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, great stuff. If you've got the... Um, you the top of his list, but yeah. Have you got it in front of you at all? Or? No, I don't. No. So it's... It, so people... It's worth remembering that he does writing, he does writing and art, and he does art for other people writing. So he does. He does sort of spread himself across that. So he's a, he's a well-respected writer, and he's a well-respected cartoonist, and he's a well-respected auteur in a way, I suppose. Um, but if you get the Mandrake Magician, open the front page and just see who's mentioned in there. You might get a little surprise. Um, good. What else have we got? Betty Boop, which I haven't read. Have you read any of the Boop stuff? No, that that one's passed me by. There's a, and me. I'm yeah. never in the Betty Boop. No, I never was. She was doing the do. Uh, it was even an old cartoon when we were kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, has he ever done these Simpsons? No, I don't think he's done Simpsons, nor do I think he's done Rick and Morty, which is the weird thing because those are the sorts of things you'd think he would land. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Um, yeah. Or if he has, it, it, it's, um, it, it seems to have passed me by. Yeah, yeah. Um, one that you mentioned there that I really enjoyed is The Goon. Um, yes, yeah. Where he initially came in as a, a one short story piece yeah um for the the black and white series that they did right but then he's been back and done a lot more since then yeah, he's done a whole trade with um, norton hasn't he i think him yeah um him and mike norton and marisa louise have done like quite quite a nice little trade and um tonally very fitting um with the creators you know um powell isn't it yeah it, it, it really does fit in you wouldn't blink really it, it's it's nicely done works well no, I think yeah, it does. Because the original miniseries that he was involved in, where it was just the let's say the five piece story, yeah. it's not really a goon story that he does there. Okay. It's a Pete, it's a Pete and Dud story. Story. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, well, so the, it's two rag and bone men, but it's Pete and Dud as rag and ah, bone men, right? And the the goons all happening in the background, if you like, and the dead bodies keep getting thrown in the back of the the truck from the rag and bone <laughs> men. You see. Um, and it, you know, so that it, and it's absolutely brilliantly paced and brilliantly delivered in, in, in terms of that. Oh, I must, but I must read that. that. I love Pete and Dud. Uh, we all had those cassettes, didn't we, that were recorded by an older cousin yes. or something? This is Everything <laughs> Gives Me the Horn. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I do. Cracks in the <laughs> pavement. Yeah, brilliant. Most of it we can't repeat. They were pissed off their nuts on that. Oh, that's why I liked it so much, I think. Um, Bill and Ted's quite interesting. So he did that um, Evan Dorkin writing. Evan Dorkin had obviously done some Bill and Ted writing and art previously um, and that was for the new movie that came out um i've had a look at that it looks nice um i think him and evan Dor- I actually i was thinking about who i would put him nearest art wise and i think evan dawkin isn't a million miles away in the way he draws stuff i think evan dawkin's just a bit more violent <laughs> i think in a way but um well the, zoot the stuff. other one or if you're going to say that in terms of where you'd line him with the yeah. jim woodring Okay. Frank is the one where I would, would, right. would put it. Okay. There, there's a you know, big linkage there. Oh man, I love Frank. Love it. A lot of his his earlier stuff is where I think there's much more linkage to Dave Sim. Okay. Where like we're jumping around quite a bit here, but you That's know, some point. of the stuff that, that we talked about from the, the where you looked at Zoot, where 'cause you you really liked one of the stories in there where it was the two talking heads yeah that is my the redoubtable tarquin he may be my favorite comic character i've read this month i've got to be honest with you yeah i want but to be him if, yeah. if i told you that had been in a cerebus comic you would not be surprised yes yeah yeah you know and then maybe that's just because it's 1992 and therefore you know that's what cerebus looked like as well in 1992 yeah um and you know there's there's pages in in I only have a couple of the very early suits. Uh, there's pages in number three where it's just nothing. The whole page is just hatched. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, that is that is Cerebus that he or as Dave, you know, that's what Dave Sim was also doing at the time in Cerebus. So that, that's yeah. why I think there's there's linkage there, and the fact that a lot of this is you know the linkage between the self-publishing side of things. And... Yeah, I've um I've only ever I've met him a few times. I, I I ran the back end of a panel. You know the bit where you run around the back of the room with a microphone, 
um, when yep. he was on a panel once annoying him and, and and got to have quite a good chat with him and we both giggled over the fact that I, I had no idea how I'd got my name into a Mandrake the Magician comic, but we thought it, both <laughs> thought it was funny. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a super nice guy as well, man. He really is very friendly, very approachable. But he's one of these dudes who um, really has his head switched on around cartooning, you know, to me. Yes. He's, yes. he's got that old school. You know, you could probably quote cartoonists from, you know, from, you know, Schultz and even before that, Herriman and all these sort of people, and he would know exactly what you're talking about, wouldn't he? You know. And and I think that's you know, his style is very classical most of the time. Yeah. Um, even what and that's where I'm maybe when I'm seeing people like there's there's a crumb element to it and there's a Liam Baxendale element to it. Yeah. It it, it is that the crumb piece comes from the fact that a lot of the time you use characters with big teeth and all that you know the the, the, the crumb you know and exaggerated features. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in, in terms of the body features, which is has that feel to me about it. Um, but the Liam Baxendale as well is that the fact that he, Puts so much into certain pages. Yeah, you know, there, there's an awful lot of detail. And if you look at you know the old Bash Street Kids or anything like that, where there's you know the, the pages are full, <laughs> in terms yeah. of, and that that's why I think. And again, his his background of reading lots of UK humor comics as a as a child again probably fe- feeds into that. But it brings it all together, you know, beautifully from that perspective. Yeah, I get you, man, completely. And the, the other thing we haven't mentioned is he does quite a lot of his own lettering, doesn't he? He's created he does, his own font, yeah. I think he was saying. Yeah. I think yeah. he's lettered for some other, you know, for one or two other books as well as a, as you know, that's been his primary, um, primary role. But that again, there's been a mix and match of, of all sorts in there. Yeah, yeah, they, he's he's um, he's probably like like me. He's probably a creator a lot of people have read and didn't realise sometimes. Yeah. Guarantee that yeah. that's the case because he's appeared in things like E One as well, which is you know going saying <laughs> so not E One something from back in the day. But it, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot of things like that. There's um, tribute pieces in, in Hellboy. There's pieces in uh, lots of different Panini books and Marvel holiday specials and the you know all these sort of one shots and, and and these sorts of things where it yeah. is just a case of people will say yeah you've been there he's you know therefore I've seen his stuff I just don't necessarily know exactly what it is that combined with a lot of other kids books kids books maybe. It's, Books that, that that look kiddish, yeah. So therefore, they, you know, because there's things like um, Abigail and the Snowman, which again is a really nice, soft, gentle tale. Um, again, put out through through Dark Horse, I believe, where it you know it's about a girl and a snowman or an abominable snowman, right? In this case. Okay. Um, and, you know, and again, it, it's the sort of thing that could easily be read with with younger children, um, while at the same time it has weird and wonderful twists to it um one of the other books that he was quite big on in the um about 10 years ago now was snarked yes where it you know this is the hunting of the snark but told from the character from different characters points of view right interesting you know? yeah and to me that that it was it was a wonderful book because again it read quite kid friendly but was just you know the, well hunting the snarks you know, yeah. it's quite surreal in itself. It's quite so psychedelic to, almost, isn't it? It's quite sort yeah. of trippy. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you. To, to then just play with the humour that's within that and actually say, it's, you know, it was a treasure hunting tale, which is essentially what the walrus goes off to try and find the, in, in terms of snark, the book, is, um, you know, kids would really get into that. But, it, you know, it has quite mature overtones in terms of the level of comedy, the, okay. the, the layers of comedy that's within it, yeah. that allows you to actually say, actually reading it as an adult actually makes makes more sense as well. I get you. It's interesting, actually. I was, I was just reading a quote, I read a quote the other day that said um, when he first came to the UK, he met up with Archie Goodwin at a UK comic convention, um, which I'm guessing was probably UCAC back then. Um, and he showed him his portfolio and Archie Goodwin, seriously <laughs> one of the nicest blokes in comics, said you're talking to the wrong guy. I don't understand this. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> There's ever he wanted something on a calling card. That's it. Um, and then he went to um, he got a third of a page in Deadline, which was he says he was his first paying gig. Um, and then he sent samples to Gary Groth at Fantagraphics, who commissioned a comic. Um, mm. He still says he sees um, Fantagraphics as his spiritual home, which is quite cool. Uh, if you ever want a comics home, it's got to be Fantagraphics, and I think we'd yeah. probably both agree that as well. We'd love to be published by, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that kind of leads us into his more personal stuff. Well, his more indie stuff, I suppose. 
Um, yeah. And that's stuff that you you probably know more about. Where I might have read Thor: The Might Avenger, this is something definitely your realm, isn't it? So is Zoot his kind of is Zoot at the center of the wheel, or is Fred the clown, and it all spreads out from that? Maybe or so a, a lot of it changes over time as right. to what's in and out. And I'm going to use a lot of fantagraphic stuff as being his personal stuff as well, just because yeah. it, it, the way it ties. The way I define Zoot is it's his own per- personal anthology. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In that it allows him to do lots of little short stories and lots of different styles, um, or diff- yeah, using the, the little different characters that he's created. So in there, you will end up with Fred the Clown, the Mugwump, the Fez, which is great because he's yeah. basically the the ghost-like character who just wears a Fez, um, and and Knuckles as well comes comes in and out of that. Okay, but the the Zoot character, the Zoot line, then allows him to say, right, I'm just going to play around with this and then build it up over time. So that's kind of the, the way that I think he works for these Patreon piece. That you know, these are stories that go out, and yeah. once there there's enough of them, they go into the next collection, and and then off it goes. Now. Beyond that, those characters have had their own high points, and you know there's times when they've been the the key focus of attention. Yeah. So, the the Art Deco piece, which um, is much more about Art Deco and the and the Mugwump as the sort of or sorry the Gump as the two yeah. main characters that are in Art Deco. That was one of the very early books that he did, where it's again it. it I keep you want to use the word surreal in terms of the humour that's in there because it's all about this this posh character who just wants to go out to a party and get drunk and you know and has got the, the idiot that goes with them and the, but the two of them are you know it's a sort of road trip movie then after that but them going to this house that seems to have a party going on but isn't yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's one of these things where you can as as a book it's quite weird because you can almost open it any page and start reading two or three pages and those make sense in themselves but as an, an overall concept it you know it's it, it's just bizarre the way they all things tie together yeah um but by using nonsense characters that allows them to to keep going back to this concept of saying right how can you know i can do anything with them because they are nonsense characters and they've got a style and design that means i can play with them and, and push them into different shapes and formats to say right this is what I want to do with these characters, yeah. which is a great way to then play with the artwork, because you know these are these. Uh, he, as I say, he's very dense in terms of what he can put on a page. He can use all sorts of grid layouts. And yeah, I mean, to there's the a lot of ink on these pages, aren't there? A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some of the some of the pages you can see. Oh, look, there's twenty, thirty different panels on there in terms of the format yeah. and layout. So the Art Deco one was one of the other ones. Fred the Clown, however, has probably become the most consistent character that he's used. Okay, can um, I just quickly go back to yeah. Zoot. So just to, before mm. we move on to Fred, now I have read some Fred, so I'm okay with that. But um, I was reading through. I ordered some off eBay. I ordered some Zoot and some Knuckles off eBay, um, which which came and, and are not are not expensive. You can get them quite cheaply, um, and they they do allow him to experiment. There are within reason a few different style choices in these, aren't there? There's some that are slightly more scratchy and packed in and, you know, um, I don't want to say experimental again, but they kind of are. And then, But th- compare that to the page that I sent you earlier with um, yeah. the redoubtable Tarquin, um, which mm-hmm. he he knows. And that's the to me, is the most sim-like page in this yeah. because it, it, oh, it... Yeah. And this is what so you're talking Zoot Volume 1. Yes. Right? Yeah. You're talking the Fantagraphic. Because he's still publishing Zoot, or what he he started to republish Zoot himself in 2017. Oh, right, okay, right, right. So again, if you go to the um, Hotel Fred website yeah. and go to the the big cartel there, there's four issues of the most recent Zoot, if you like. Oh, and okay. That's where he has things like a McGonagall tale. He has um, the Fez running around, but realizing he's ended up in the wrong hat. <laughs> Um, you've got. I think that's where I sent you the, some of the pictures as well about yeah. you know standing in line for the toilet and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there's there's some great things in here where again it's about him allowing him to play with what he wants to do because there's actually in the Zoot from 2019 where the the theme of the book is almost him having uh, not being able to sleep. Okay. And. You know, thinking through the night, oh, no, here's another idea. You know, as, as, you, as you do when you're a creator, you get your ideas at two in the morning. Yeah. 
And there's That's one of the get bits up and go says, home now. <laughs> well, as long as you're taking notes at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the he one of the things you know, lying awake, he goes, "Oh, I've thought of a better ending for the Art Deco book." Yeah, which was from 25 years, 30 years earlier. <laughs> And he then draws the two or three pages of what that would be. And that's him you know, as his dream sequence of going, this is how I would end it. It would be better. And that's and that in really the new amused... suit. That's in the new series. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Not in his, because so, um, he does talk a little bit in his, we'll talk about it later, his Instagram comic about being mm-hmm. awake in the night as well, doesn't he? Okay. Well, yeah. this is the, well the, the Instagram comic, which is also his Patreon. Basically what he does is he, he publishes all these things through, through the Patreon and then a couple of weeks or a month or so later, it comes out on, on, on Instagram or whatever. And then once they are collected, that's the next, as I say, that, that becomes the next Zoot. Right. So okay. there's, 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 there's a balance of what he puts out on Patreon. Um, right. Because sometimes it is the pure diary comics. and they, they're, they're, they're something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah. a lot of this, well, a lot of the stuff that ends up in the new Zoot goes out through the Patreon. Oh, right. Patreon's becoming quite the thing, isn't it? It really is. And I think people have taken advantage of it during lockdown because it's a nice, easy way to distribute your comics almost, you know, daily or weekly or however you want to do it. It's, uh, I'm yeah. certainly, I wasn't on any Patreons before lockdown. I've got to tell you. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely the way to go. I think. Can I just, I'm just going to read you this page before we move on to, I just, you know, it made me laugh the redoubtable Tarquin. So the redoubtable Tarquin is someone who he doesn't really understand other people's attitudes and he is a bit of a, he's a bit of a twat, isn't he? You know what I mean? So yeah. he's he's muscled his way in to sit with this woman, and he says, uh, "Kim, I I like you." He says, "Kim, yes, Tarquin." Then there's a silent panel of them staring at each other. Um, Kim, I like you, and she says, "Well, I like you too, Tarquin." And he says, "No, no, 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 no. I like you in a special way." And she says, "Well, I like you in a special way too, Tarquin." And he goes, "No, no, 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 no. I like you in a dirty way." I'm glad we talked about this, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's hope these aren't autobiographical, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just made me so, laugh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we have Fred the Clown. And now Fred the Clown, <laughs> which I have read some stuff of. Good. Yeah, in preparation for today. Good. So Fred was originally called Bill the Clown, believe it or not. Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, started in 1997 as a newspaper strip submission. Um, and I think he actually sent it to King Features, believe it or not. So I heard him say in an interview, mm. which is obviously who he ends up kind of writing for later. Um, sent, um, yeah, sent initially to King's Features. Um, and he is almost an homage, in a way, to Buster Keaton. He's a big Buster Keaton fan. Um, and yeah, so he allows that to influence a lot, a lot of the, his slapstick. Yeah, so a lot of the Fred Clown storylines are silent. There's, there's, so there's two main Fred the Clown books. One is Fred the Clown, and the other one is the Iron Duchess. So I'll right. the Iron Duchess in a se- section, which is the proper one that's dedicated to Buster Keaton. Right, yeah, because the, there's a Buster Keaton movie where he's on a train, isn't there, or something, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something from that. The, the first Fred the Clown book, which, again, is a Fantagraphics book, right. is the collection of, of a lot of the short mini-comics. Actually, opening my up, I realise I have. These mini-comics are essentially an A4 sheet of paper that's been cut down to be an eight-page comic. Okay. Um, and it, it's, 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 you know, it's everything from the Mad Magazine style of being a, a cutaway building and everything happening and all sorts of layers. There's layouts that are done as um, as board games. There's Some of it is, you know, very silent stories. Um and then one of the you know there's some one page gags of, of sort of things. So there's the the seven ages of Fred, right. um, which are um, ready salted, which is basically <laughs> him as a baby sitting having a wet himself. There's smoky bacon, which is him as a child putting a fork into a uh, into a plug socket. There's prawn cocktail, which is him as a as a young adult um, standing naked being laughed at by a young girl. Uh, there's, <laughs> Beef and mustard, which is him oh. as an adult standing naked in front of a doctor. Right. Uh, cheese, cheese and onion, where he's an adult, but he's gone a bit mad and he's, he's standing on top of a car being chased by a policeman. Salt and vinegar, where he's an old man and with a nurse, and the nurse seems to have her hand underneath the blanket. I don't know what the salt yeah. and vinegar is about. Um, and then barbecue flavour, which is um, just an urn standing on top of a mantelpiece. So oh, those are the seven yeah. ages oh, of nice. Red Cloud. Yeah. And... Um, all of which is a, so this is a you know, it's not a big sized book it's you know it's, it's smaller than comic size but that ends up being 
you know, seven or eight panels the way that it's kind of laid out all on that one page and each panel is very detailed with regard to the backgrounds and all, all the you know the character study that's in there so you can see what's going on yeah and th- this is what the you know the whole the whole book's like that full of these intricacies and odd layouts and, and, and choices all of which are very dense to, to read through um some of which does take a little bit of knowledge of how to read a comic I think to to get it properly. I think it's not the sort of book you give to somebody as their their first comic, okay. because I think you know, there, there's bits of it where there's because you know, there's panels inside panels and things like that on, on certain yeah. pages. He does where... play with the form a lot, doesn't he? You, I've seen that ever since the early Zoots. There's, I mean, Zoot One um, is a sort of strange um, panel arrangement with people climbing up and down mid panel yeah. and stuff you know so yeah he does he does love to do that doesn't he and, and you're right it almost makes it a puzzle on a page is what you're describing mm. there isn't it yeah yeah and i think if you're used to reading comics that's fine yeah, yeah and some of that i suppose goes all the way back to talk about his him having a, a foothold in the history of comics you know it's windsor mckay in terms of some of the stuff yeah. that's yeah. that, that there's a lot of that went on in um, british humor comics wasn't there you know because they had to fit so much yeah. into a single page yeah Mm. All of which brings us to the Iron Duchess, which yes. if we were going to talk about just the one book, this is probably the, the one to, to focus on. Now, this is a book that anybody can read because it's available, um, again, through the Hotel Web, web Hotel Fred yeah. website. Yeah. Um, and you, you can, can access it for free there and then donate afterwards with regard to, to your, you know, it, it, once you've read it digitally or you can buy it physically from his website as well. Yeah, it's worth um, doing. It's a lovely book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a say, quite. This is a silent book. No, in the same comic, way that a silent movie is a silent movie. I know you're about to yes. say, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's the odd word here and there, and there's the odd speech bubble that features an image in it as well to try and say this is what we're talking about. So if if somebody wanted to mention a horse, you know, you might use a speech bubble with a picture of a horse in it to say the yeah. horse. Um, but it's in. The ability to tell a comic storyline through in the form of a silent movie is is, is really difficult. Um, and there's good examples out there, and there are bad examples out there. This is probably one of the best examples. Yeah, I think so. We're fine. Yeah, we've um, all experienced. We've all experienced that moment where we get the art. We both. We I know you're an artist as well, but we've both written comics. And when you get the artwork back, there's something that's sort of gratifying when you find that you can understand mm. the story without the lettering having been done yet. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think which is good. And he, he easily does that with this. Yeah. There's that language, isn't there? And it, there's, it, there's a weird mix on this book as well in that it's very rereadable because it flows really quickly and smoothly, but you can go back into it and look at individual panels and see that there's lots of little detail on it. Yeah. So, for example, the, the page I'm on just now, that's just not something I've never seen before, where, you know, so it's basically him with the pig quite early on, and he's, he's making them beans. Um, to, to, and, but, you know, so you, all, normally when you read this, you'd go, him with the pig, da da da, they make beans, move on to the next page. But if you look closely at the panel that's got the pig watching him cook the beans, there's a sign <laughs> up on the wall that says, bless the sty, and things like that. You know, it's lots of little hidden details yeah. just around it that, that you kind of, and actually the panel below that as well, there's, a picture of of his mother on the wall, not Fred's mother, the pig's mother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even know? the pig sitting around the table. There seems to be a lot of beans in that tin as well, aren't there? Yeah, they do well out yes. of that one tin, don't they? But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I could pick out all sorts of pages from from this to say, look, there, there's things in here that are, are really wonderful to look at. Yeah. And um, were, were there any particular pages that that really called to you no at the moment i've got it i I read it online so i haven't got it in front of me um the it really gets going it's a a weird one because it 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 could it could the start i was thinking oh this is this story about this happening and then but it changes doesn't it halfway through it becomes much a much bigger story in a way i think so it starts with a sort of love story as in fred sees the um the girl on the horse and he says oh i really quite you know i'll present myself nicely to the girl and then it yeah. becomes this this whole thing about the, um, the, the 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 girl gets kidnapped and then they're trying to rescue the girl and the the film producer comes along in that sort of nineteen thirties style and is yeah. trying to film a different film um, and there's again some wonderful sequences there where you've got the the you know the movie star who's who's 
come to you know and they end up at the castle on the hill type thing. that's right and, yeah and they go to uh dr finut's obedience school please knock <laughs> and it's, it, yeah. once they get inside the he turns the sign around and it's no longer dr finut's obedience school it becomes dr zerlog's center for the wholly unnecessarily unnecessary surgical <laughs> activity <laughs> and you're just like going yeah okay that's what's this going to be about um, and it is a case of the girl's been kidnapped, and he's trying to, you know, so Fred ends up trying to rescue the girl because, you know, but working with the horse, yeah. he's her horse. Um, and in the background of all this, there is the story of the fact that there is a train line that runs through the the town where they live, and on that train, um, and this is where the Buster Keaton bit really links yeah. in because it relates to the, I want to say the general is the name of the movie from. I think Buster you're Keaton. right, man. I think you are right. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it has that sort of bit about saying, right, so we've got to get on the train and you know, how do we make the train work to go and rescue the girl and make things happen? And it, 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 all of this is just at the same time, the, the fact the characters can't speak to each other and are just holding things up and saying, well, let's do this, let's do that. Um, and the, you know, the, the, eventually the train crashes it causes other things to, to fall down and you know the girl ends up being saved which is all, all great from you know exactly what you'd expect there's then a real twist in the tale at the end where the father well sorry firstly the mad scientist has basically done all his surgical things and has put the um the film producer's head on top of the the weird monster that's to, right to yeah 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 um yeah. And he places the, the the hero on um and attaches him to the horse's legs. But Fred then gets offered the job of working in the bank by the the girl's father, and you know that this is you know so he he becomes the established man, at which point rather than marry the girl, which is exactly what everybody thought he would do, Fred chooses the pig yeah. and marries the pig, yeah. and you know. However, the girl's lucky because she ends up falling in love with the, the, the film star who's now half film star, half horse. So she gets both, right. you know, she gets yeah. the love that she wants of both the horse and the the, the other man. And that, that's, you know, there, there's more to it. It's so fucking in... weird, isn't it? It's like even the design of Fred is strange, isn't it? It's Yeah. It's peculiar. It's almost it's almost like you're right, it's almost like Baxendale meets Selwyn Froggett. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like that. It's just this fuckwit geezer, you know, who is a clown, and you know, it's not really a clown. He can't, but you know, it's like that, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. and he has no nose, which is the other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the thing with that is, we, we you know we talk about the you know it's weird design system. It's not that it's just been thrown down on the page. No, no, it's, this yeah, line. It's, this line is so clear, so clean, and it's so it's focused. A strong, thick. You know, there's a there's a thickness to a lot of his lines. You know, there's there's a real strength to his uh, confidence in laying it down. I think a lot of the time, to me, you know, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, yeah. When you've been doing it forty years, or whatever. Sorry, Roger, thirty yeah. years. Yeah, it's going to be like that, isn't it? You know. Um, well, that, and that's where I, I find it really inspirational to look at some of his work in terms of you know how, how do you treat black and white and how do you treat delivering comedy, how yeah. do you, you know and I, I don't stray into the, to that level of surrealism or that level of to just you know obtuseness. Um, yeah. But I, I just can't get my head around where to start it. But I thoroughly appreciate it and wish I could. I can work see. Out I can see a line between the penguin and this man. I got to tell you, not just because it's black and white. Just there's there's a anthropomorphic strangeness to it. You know, you've got that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly would have Roger or, in my, my yeah. list of influences. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. In, in terms of not, you know, if you people who were not producing three-panel comic or you know pure um, newspaper strips, this is certainly something that's that's definitely in my background where I'm like going, I know that the, subconsciously somewhere this is impacting me in terms of the the body of work that he's yeah, produced. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how it has demonstrated that piece of going there's lots of little things and you can put those little things together to be something more than their sum which is again one of the things i'm trying to achieve with the penguin at times i get that man completely yeah sorry man gone anyway i was gonna say that that that, so that's how i would say the influence on on me is is, is certainly certainly there um i I just wish i could be as bizarre (laughs) yeah i know what you mean (laughs) yeah and he is there's such a 
such an individual idiosyncratic strangeness to what he's doing. I put it like, I often get this, if I read a lot of Crumb or Chris Ware or um, Fingerman even, these sort of characters, and I include Roger into it, it's this, this work of his, if I read a lot of that, I almost, because they're so consistent and they know what they're doing, I almost start seeing people a bit in their own style. You know, there's... um you're seeing through their eyes aren't you how they see the world in a way um yes. which is really in, which is really interesting there's got to be a paper done on that somehow you know and these these um, these really good cartoonists know everything is translated like that into this very individual style that is a reflection of some kind of personality character thing you know to be honest if you want more of that that's where i would go to his daily strip yeah right, or the daily thing that he does which is and and Oddly enough, you've talked about this the past couple of weeks in terms of John Porcellino and, and others. Yeah. But the you know he is doing a proper diary comic, yes, and you know and it, it's autobiographical. But he's able to do so while running you know, some of the most mundane things, but putting a weird twist <laughs> yeah. on them. At times. They are um, slightly banal at moments, but they, because they've got that added personality, they work to me. So, so one about a one dog today, farting the other day, wasn't there? Yeah, one, yeah. One, but the one today was when he went to get, he hands two watches in to get fixed. And the guy says, <laughs> yeah, he'll yeah, back one. in 15 minutes. And then, you know, you see the final panel of him looking at his, looking at the watch that has been fixed, going, well, it's more than 15 minutes since you phoned me back. Yeah, it's been 24 and hours. Yeah, and you're thinking, yeah, oh, he fixed that watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird sort of sense of, time, of <laughs> timing, you know, yeah. of how to deliver a sort of, yeah, nothing's happened here. But actually, if you're talking about some talking about a broken watch, and then I'll tell you when you're back in 15 minutes. There is a how, how do I know? You know, yeah, how yeah, you it's very circular. It, yeah, it, it's it's a great sort of just there's just little things in that, and that's where you're back to seeing you know this is how he observes the world. Yeah, there's then, um there's a realness to it as well. There's the, the the one that got me was where he walks the dog and he's he was standing there shouting for the dog and he said this happens weekly and he's shouting for his dog and his dog is standing at his feet and I have done yeah. that loads of times. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I can imagine there's some of the dog ones really work for you in, in terms <laughs> yeah. of that, that, yeah. that sort of space. So no, I, I thoroughly recommend everybody. Just, you don't yeah you don't you sign up for his Patreon. You can initially follow and then as I say, you just get everything a week or so late. Yeah, I thoroughly recommend that people go on and and buy the most recent copies of Zoot. Yeah, his, I must go and get that website. Yeah, that sounds um, good. I think they're only a five or a pop, so it's right, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and as I say, if you get all four of them at the moment, it would be the, the same as getting a, a a nice trade of of them. Um, and you can see certainly if you've got some of the very early zoots, there's you know you can see the development of his art style over over that period. Yeah. Um, and thereafter, in terms of other books to pick up, Iron Duchess can be picked up directly from him. I actually would recommend Art Deco to certain people, okay. but I would yeah. I wouldn't say it's the first book to read of his. Um, I think you need to get a little bit into his sensibilities first, and then then read it in in terms of it. And the one book that we've not mentioned, which is the one I thought would be properly up your street, okay. was Knuckles. Yes, Malevolent Nun. yeah. So I have got an issue of that. I bought that um, Knuckles, the Malevolent Nun. Yes, I was reading that today. I think I stuck a picture of it on the socials, as they're referred to. Yeah, that's really cool. I really like that. And that's wackier again, in a way, isn't it? Um, it, It's it's in moments much more exaggerated than even some of his Zoot stuff on occasion. And it's 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 his chance to say, "I'm going to be crude." Yes, I'm going to be crude, and I'm going to be rude in this. And it's he basically has created one of the characters where you'll go, "I will put this as my character to properly push things." in that way and just go go crazy i can take some of the others to you know each of the fair the cone's really nice and soft and i'll be bizarre with him but i'll not be you know it's still yeah. going to be you know family friendly or pg while this <laughs> yeah. knuckles really isn't That's... i just opened the page and there's a, a panel of a big fly it's flying <laughs> at um knuckles and it she's shouting is, is it she's shouting spunky at it I don't know what's going on there. I must work out what that is. But yeah, I mean, man, if this if if Roger drew the dreaming, I'd I'd actually read it for a change. You know what I mean? These um, yeah. I'd love to see him do a fucking Sandman or something. You know, or a Shade the Changing Man or something. It'd be great. There's also a really Sorry, wacky, yeah. embarrassing picture of him in this one. If you're listening, Roger, where on earth did you get that hair from? 
Yeah. <laughs> it, well, remember, this was 1993. Oh, no, we, we, we all looked a bit different. Maybe. I had a ponytail. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, all, we all had ponytails. Um, yeah, sadly, you won't see him do the Sandman, however, because you've read the article about... Yeah, so we were going to mention this, weren't we? So I read an article by the School Library Journal... Uh, blogs.slj.com and it relates, he says he won't be working for the big two anymore he, says he didn't really want to work for them I'm not going to say, I don't want to be like bleeding corner he definitely won't be working for the big two, it's not that case you just say, no, I don't really want to work for them um, it relates to their treatment of the founding fathers in particular Jack Kirby he also said he doesn't really think he has anything that Marvel wants, I will disagree because I think Thor the Mighty Avenger is incredible, I think it's a brilliant book um, but then again in that he does actually say Everything I ever wanted to do in a superhero book, I kind of got out of my system with Thor the Mighty Avenger. Thought, I don't know if you know this, but Thor the Mighty Avenger originally was going to be a Captain Britain comic, which he pitched to, <laughs> I think it's Nate Cosby. Um, and they were, for a while, it was almost a goer from, a, from what he's saying. And it ended up being, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this Thor book because of the movie. But it's um, yeah. Captain Britain appears in it. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. You don't need to know anything about Thor. You don't need to know about anything about anything, really. Young Thor lands bumps into um, to Jane Foster, and they were off and running. It's really good fun. Absolutely, it's on the Marvel app. If you've got the Marvel app, go and read it. That's where I read it. It's um, I got I got quite a few of the issues as well, but yeah, really good. Um, it's a shame because I think he'd be great on a lot of. I think he's a great writer as well. I think he'd be, he would be a breath of fresh air on some titles. Yeah, you know, he I wants to do a plastic. It's not man. A never seen ever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I think actually, you're right, and thought plastic and plastic man would be absolutely perfect. Yeah. For him, you know. Yeah, if you, if, based on what Kyle Baker did with Plastic Man, yeah. you can see that Roger taking it in a a, a similar but different vein. In, yeah, in terms of and he's a big fan of um, Jack Cole. Um, he also wants mm. to do a Metamorpho comic. But he says he says they try every so often, which they kind of do, don't they? With Metamorpho, he appears yeah. here and there. But the um, and he's a big Ramona Freyden fan as well. And I think either of them would be great. You know, um, I'd even trust him to take over Ambush Bug. There you go. I think he'd be right on that as well. <laughs> It's one of these ones where I think that if he was to go back to, to the big two, I think you're right. He he probably would be less inclined to do the, the spandex and, yeah. and more inclined to do something a bit left field. Um, as you say, you know, Plastic Man would be ideal. Yeah, um, yeah anything of that sort of ilk where it just has the ability to... He'd even do a odd. good Deadpool, I think. It's about the nearest I'd push him towards mainstream, you know? But it would be the wackier end of it, I suppose. Yeah. What's well, the What's we, the X Men? Is it Dupe? What about Dupe? It'd be good. Mm. Um, there, there's more than enough scope for him to produce his own work at this point and, yeah. and get it out. Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, you know, he's clearly well liked within the Dark Horse sphere um, because there's quite a few books from them. Yeah. Um, Boom like him, don't they? Or Kaboom, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, he's done yeah. stuff for them. And he's done that Bill and Ted thing. Still putting stuff out. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Good point, man. Yeah, so uh, the website is hotelfred.com, I'm right in saying. Um, yep. If you go to it, there's um, a list, a banner across the top, and it takes you to all the different stuff. Even takes you to his Wikipedia page, I think, one of the links. Um, <laughs> and it's very useful. And um, you can go and um, read some of his comics and leave a donation afterwards, after you've read them, to say you've enjoyed them. Uh, his Patreon is patreon.com forward slash hotelfred as well. And he does do an Instagram, which I think is hotelfred. I think I'm going to look that one up. But, yeah, uh, everything so. is, is is that brand. Yeah, yeah, and um, you can still get the Goon, the Mike Norton story. That's that's worth reading. The Goon is always to me is one of those one of those creations that we're five minutes for somebody discovering. A bit like Yasagi, you know, someone's going to go Netflix. You know, it's going to be like well, that, isn't it? You know, it, what the, the animated three minutes worth? Oh of Christ, it, yeah, that kickstarted and, thing. Yeah. And then it looked lovely, and then never went anywhere. Sadly, yeah, but that's true. There are sometimes I'm like going. No, just leave comics alone. Comics are Maybe comics. Maybe too, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got enough. We've got enough problems inside comics, yeah. um, without actually introducing all the, <laughs> really? the other pieces. <laughs> what this week? I hadn't noticed. But the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, I almost think that what's it, it, we've done that thing where comics have appeared. Everyone's taken. It's been niche. You know, it's been like kids read them, fanboys, uh, comics. Uh, I know, I really, I only read literature. Then we've proved that we'd win. We can beat the world by making the most popular and actually some pretty good fucking movies. And we just need to back off now. We're done. We've made our point. And let's just go back to making comics again. You know, um, you and I enjoyed some of the movies and some of them we didn't. And I think I'm done with that now, mate. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I don't need to be chasing that. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. Um, certainly not the huge, great big franchise. This is, I, I would much rather go down, and this is where it's easier to do it on the animated route. Yeah. I'd much rather see the good stories told, which might mean that you don't have to maintain continuity and you don't need to have the full understanding of the, the last three movies that went before in terms of who's who's who. And all. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, it's, and for a long period of time, DC Animation got that right. They've had some hits and misses. Yeah, um, yeah, something's been good. Yeah, but that you know, I think that's the better way to go for it. And you actually just turn around and say, "This is a good story," and good stories can be told in multiple ways, from prose through comics to being on a screen of one form or another. And you can, you know, if it works, it works. Um, but let you know, let's not forget. At some point, we also need to produce good comics. Yeah, we do. And Roger Langridge produces good yeah, comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As much as I want him to get a Netflix deal because he'll have a few quid in his pocket, I'm not really fussed as long as he's making comics from a sort of sl- yeah. slightly, you know, selfish personal way. But yeah, no, I agree, man, totally. Um, that's a good one, good little subject. Um, mm. eh, let us know uh, on the socials if you've enjoyed it or if you um, have read stuff that we haven't talked about from um, Mr. Langridge. And um, let us know if there's any other subjects you want us to cover in the future. I think we could probably do a bit, but put a bit of a shout out for that actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And nobody's allowed to say holy terror um, <laughs> too soon, maybe. So there you go. Um, holy Metal <laughs> Island, maybe, but not holy yeah, terror. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so too far, too far. Yeah. <laughs> so good stuff, man. So what are you up to? You're rocking and rolling. You got the two thousand two thousandth under your belt now. Yeah, it's well out of the way now. Yeah, no, we're yeah. already on. 2012 or something i don't know um so yeah no we're, we're plodding along with that we are about 70 pages into the next 100 page book for the pen to go in so i just need to work out Man. what the timing for that will be um given that i'm at the point now where i've got so much stock from books that, that I'm, I'm if i put another one out before i start going to conventions i know again, yeah that's right i'm not entirely sure where <laughs> where else i'm going to store them so when um, your next your your next one will be thought bubble with it yes yeah yeah um yeah in, in terms of yeah i might pop down to the lakes for the for the day um, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the lakes. Yeah, is that is that before Thought Bubble? Is it? Of course it is. It's October, it is, isn't it? Yeah. The lakes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna play that part partially by the COVID numbers, but mainly by the weather. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, some of the, the guests are now online, aren't they? So yeah. I'm still gonna go because I want to see Ian, Nikki, and all yeah. that little firm. But yeah, I know what you mean. Which, which is great. But the, the thing for me with Kendall is, it you know, you have to walk all the way around Kendall. So if it's um if it's a very wet weekend. It's not necessarily the most pleasant thing to do. Yeah, I got pissed on last time. On there, yeah, yeah, I got soaked last. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of, but you know what? It maybe changes. Do I go the Saturday or do I go the Sunday? That that might be very weather dependent. That's probably yeah. going to be the. I tell you what's a good what's a good one is going the Saturday because a lot of the charity shops and secondhand shops put yeah, comics out, yeah. especially for that day. Um, and there was a big, there was as big a queue at one of the secondhand shops as there was at the doors to one of the halls <laughs> when I was there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. all all blokes our age as well, you know, so all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a kind of social. I probably won't table at it. I don't think, but it's it's a nice social event. I quite enjoy, you know, going for a coffee with you know such and such, and you know, going yeah. out for a bite so to eat. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hope to pop to it as it's, it's depending on 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 the world. Um, and then Thought Bubble um, for the year. And then everything really starts again properly next year for me. I think, I think you're right, of, man. Yeah. I think that's know, how everyone views it as well. I think we're kind of holding on to see how we get on with if Thought Bubble happens. And if it does, hmm. how it goes. And then we're off and running maybe from March onwards sort of thing, I suppose. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that, that's kind of where we are with it. And I think this is where I think we need to as an industry or as a small press group, we need to be clever and say, right, you know what? There's going to be loads of Christmas selling opportunities that aren't flagged as comic events, but yeah. you can be part selling your books. Christmas markets and all sorts in there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I'm maybe trying to see what in that sort of space I can hook up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'll get on with the, I might contact the local um, women's Institute, the WI, um, and maybe see if I can get a tribute pressed. <laughs> I'm sure you could go along and do a talk of an evening at the WI. <laughs> yes, uh, ladies. All right, sweethearts. Yeah, yeah. Go for 
tribute character. Good. Um, yeah, you could be their calendar man for their calendar girls. Oh, um, oh God, imagine. Yeah. It's like a German I, I, shepherd with his... idea for a tribute press calendar for next oh, year, haven't I? amazing. It's like a German shepherd with its tongue <laughs> out when you take my clothes off. But the... Um, that's an odd one. Good. Uh, and where can we find you online, dude? You'll find me at Pendguin, just on a, um, any form of social media. You'll just search, search for at Pendguin, you'll find me. Good. Look in the links. It will all be in there. Uh, come and find Tribute Press at patreon.com forward slash Tribute Press. The first issue for those who have got plumped for the physical copy is going out this week. End of issue one of Flesh and Ink ends on Monday, and the new issue starts then. So if you're in, the, if you're in that tier, you'll get a, a physical copy. Um, and George Mayhem's just come out as a little, uh, gone out as a little present to the people who had faith in us and booked us early, and, and booked on with us. Early. It was. Thank you, man. It's very kind of you. We're quite pleased with that. I went for a nice bite to eat with Four P the other day, and we've got the next one planned. And I had a meet up with Falpy yesterday, and we got our next one there planned. So yes, yeah, going strong. It's going all right. Yeah, good stuff. And um, yeah, so um, I've got you. I've got a new date for you. Actually. I'll give it to you in a minute. We're, we're logged in for the same time. Same time next month. If that's cool. right, dude. And um, yep. thanks, Al. Good choice, mate. And I'll speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.